We find ourselves in the last of the six healing stories in Matthew that we've been using in this series. Jesus and his disciples have just come back across the sea and they've come to his own town where he was living at the time in Capernaum and this is what happens next. Just then some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. He stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, And they glorified God who had given such authority to human beings. Join me in a prayer. Gracious and loving God, let now the words of my mouth and the meditation on all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight and in these moments. Shape us and mold us to be the people that you would have us be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So today is the last day in our series on healing. We've spent six weeks on it. And one of the things that we've learned together is that if we're going to be healthy, we have to, there's some, we have to do something about it, that it doesn't just automatically happen, that Jesus doesn't just wave a magic wand and everything magically becomes wonderful and okay, that we have to, to do something. Each of the stories we've read, the, those that come to Jesus for help and are in need of healing, they have work to do. So if we, we want to be healthy, we've got to get up and, and do something about it. That we've learned. What I also hope that we've gained from this time in Matthew together is a little bit of a sense of Matthew's gospel. That at the very least, when someone comes up to you off the street, which happens all the time, I know, and says to you, hey, do you know what follows the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel? You'll be able to say, why, yes, six stories about healing, and each one of them's different. <laughs> you would at least be able to say that, that we've, we've gained that a little sense into what's going on in Matthew, particularly right here in chapter 8 and chapter 9, that we've We've gotten that, that we can be able to answer that. What we've, what we've pulled, though, from each of these six stories is that Matthew is using these encounters of healing to reveal to us the kind of authority Jesus has in this world. That's what's happening in each of these stories. Let's just take the last 
couple of weeks, for example. Two weeks ago, we read about Jesus calming the storm. That's Matthew's way of revealing to us that Jesus has authority over external forces. Over external forces. Last week, we read about Jesus healing of the demon-possessed people, you know, and sends the spirits into the pigs, and the pigs run off the cliff, and that weird weird story, and it's Matthew's way of revealing to us that Jesus has authority over internal internal uh, forces, particularly what's going on in our minds. Jesus comes to clear our minds, we said. Finally, today's reading about the paralytic is Matthew's way of revealing to us another internal force that Jesus, and that's what's going on in our heart. What's going on in our heart Jesus comes to mend what is broken. Another way of putting it is, Jesus comes to forgive our guilt. What's going on in our heart. I don't know if you noticed it when we read the story, but Matthew leaves out a lot of the details of the story. This one is one of those familiar stories to us. Do you know the parts that Matthew left out? The part where they go up and dig in the roof to lower the paralytic down because they can't get into the house any other way. And he leaves those details out. There's four friends, as Mark tells us, but Matthew doesn't include all of that stuff. There's a reason for that. One is that the congregation that Matthew is writing to would have known Mark's story, and maybe he doesn't have to include all the details. Maybe just by mentioning that this paralytic is brought by the friends, the whole story would come up in the minds of his readers. Maybe that's true. But others suggest that he's also simplifying the story in order to focus on one particular Part, and it happens at the beginning. It's when Jesus notices the faith of the friends. When Jesus saw their faith, we are told. Their faith. Not the man's faith. Their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, that's when he turns to the paralytic and says to him, Have confidence, young man. Have confidence, your sins are forgiven. That's when that's the phrase that, that Matthew wants us to focus on. He wants us to, to realize across the board that the paralytic does not come to Jesus on his own, that in fact he relies on his friends to do it. So that's when Jesus turns to the man and says, Have confidence, your sins are forgiven. Now one thing we're not supposed to take from this story that that scholar Douglas Hare suggests and points out is one thing we're not supposed to take from this story is that all sickness therefore comes from sin that all sickness comes from something we've done that's not something we're supposed to take from this story but what we are supposed to see in this story is that the paralytic man is a big symbol of how our guilt can be paralyzing. Now that one we get. That one, you get that. How guilt can be paralyzing. So wrought with guilt that we don't even want to move. We understand that. And Hare Hare goes on to suggest that when we find ourselves in that place, when we When we find our faith faltering, 
And like the paralytic in the story, we need to become open to relying on the faith of others. When Jesus saw their faith, this is the phrase that Matthew builds this entire story around. When Jesus saw their faith, he does it because that's the picture Matthew has of the church. The picture Matthew has of the church is of a community of people who we can lean on when we find our faith faltering. The kind of community that can carry us when we can't carry ourselves. The kind of people that can help point out to us the presence of God when we don't believe God is there at all. This is the picture Matthew has of the church of Jesus Christ. This is the picture Matthew has of us. He has that picture in his mind because of something he's become convinced of deep down, and it's what I'm about to tell you. Are you ready to hear this? Are you ready to write it down? I want you to take a mental note of what Matthew has learned and then put it in the back pocket of your mind. Don't forget it. What Matthew has become convinced of is you never know what part of yourself God is going to use in order to mend something that is broken, bless someone else in your life. Did you get that? You never know what part of yourself God is going to use to mend something that is broken to bless someone else. Is there a, if you had the chance to, to change something about yourself, would you, is there something that comes to mind, you know, if I could change that, I've never really liked that about me. I'm not talking about bad habits. Bad habits need to change. I mean something in your character, something that's distinctly you, that you've always, you know, I just, if I could change that, I could. We all have something. But I'd like you to consider that whether you realize it or not, God might just use that very thing to mend something, to bless someone. The paralytics, I mean the friends of the paralytic, they didn't know what was going to happen. All they knew is they needed to get their friend in front of Jesus. But when Jesus saw their faith, In 2010, a young lady by the name of Laura Bratton graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary. She became a pastor. She was the first blind student to graduate from Princeton Seminary. Now, I find that interesting. A long history of that seminary. She was the first blind student to graduate. And I read a reflection that she wrote about how she had to adjust to losing her sight early in life and 
the process that she's gone through and continues to go through in ministry. And, and she writes about it and she says, people with a disability can easily begin to think that they are, that they are less than worthy, that they are somehow less than. And I used to ask myself, why God favored other people more than me? I used to ask myself the question, does, does God somehow favor me less than other people? And as I wrestled with that question, what I realized is that in order to get through it, I had to, I had to begin to try and change my mindset to move away from the mindset I had that said that I don't have anything to offer the world, that I don't have anything to give the world and move towards a mindset that says I do have something to offer the world. I have something valuable to give to the world, to move into that that different kind of mindset, to try and see myself in a different way. And one time in particular helped me do that. I was doing a residency at a pediatric hospital. I was a chaplain there for a time. And, and in that time, one day a nurse came to me and she said, Laura, we want you to, could you come and visit a young girl? She's 12. Her name's Heather. She has an eating disorder. Sure, I said. Tell me about her. Well, she won't talk to her parents. She won't talk to the nurses. We've called in the counselor. We've called in the social worker. She won't talk to any of them, and almost as if to say, so, you know, we're desperate. We're going to go to the chaplain. <laughs> Would you visit her? So I walked in the room, and, hi, my name's Laura. I'm the chaplain here. And before I could even almost finish that statement, this young girl jumped in and almost interrupted me. And she said, wait, wait, are you blind? Just like that. Are you blind? Yes, I said. And immediately I thought, oh, great. Here we go. She's going to see me as someone that's not able to really do much because I can't see so you can't you can't see me you're not gonna you're not gonna judge me for what I look like no I said I'm, I'm not after a moment of silence you're not gonna leave are you can you Please stay. Can you stay? And she began to talk. And I began to listen. And after our visiting and our number of visits together over time, we were able to talk about her relationship with God and her relationship with her parents and her friends and what it feels like to live in a world that puts so much emphasis on what we look like. The one thing in my life I thought was a hindrance was the very thing God used 
to help that little girl begin to heal. And you never know what part of yourself God is going to use to mend something, to bless someone. When Jesus saw their faith. Our story ends, of course, with the people glorifying God. Glorifying God for what they've just seen Jesus do. It's not unlike the hosannas we shout on Palm Sunday as Jesus enters through the gates of Jerusalem. When he came to Jerusalem, the Gospels tell us, the whole city was abuzz, waving their branches and shouting their hosannas and glorifying God. But, of course... We know that this week the celebration will end. The shouts of Hosanna will fade away into the distance and one more time we will turn on the one who's come to heal us. If this week reveals anything at all, both in the story of the Gospels and in the world we see on the news, it's just how far God has to go in order to mend what is broken and make our world whole. A world that sometimes feels like the only language we understand is chemical attacks and missile launches. A world that is in desperate need of a healer. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, when you read Matthew's gospel and you read today's story in particular, when you focus on that one phrase that the whole thing's built on, the phrase that says, when Jesus saw their faith, within that we are given a charge. Matthew charges us to walk out those doors and be a presence in our messed up, broken, mixed up world. Matthew charges us to be the church he has pictured us to be. Matthew says to us, go and be the hands and feet of Christ because you just don't know what God is going to do with that. You have no idea what part of your life God's going to use to mend what is broken and bless someone else. It's a surprise every single time. Amen.